Did you know the Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. If a fraudster was attempting to con you out of a large amount of money, would you be savvy enough to stop it? I'm Claire Barrett, editor of FT Money, and that's the question I'll be asking you on the FT Money show today. We know our listeners possess more financial know-how than the average bear, but sadly, many of you have written in to tell us how you've lost thousands in increasingly elaborate swindles. From banking fraud to pensions liberation schemes and property deposit scams, it's still possible to come a cropper as the techniques that the con artists are using today are worryingly sophisticated. But all is not lost. Listening to this special edition of the FT Money podcast should be your first line of defence. To begin, we're going to talk about push payment fraud, which is where criminals trick banking customers into transferring often thousands of pounds into their accounts. Joining me to explain how this works and how you should avoid it is the FT's money mental columnist, Lindsay Cook. Welcome, Lindsay. Good morning. So you wrote all about push payment fraud in FT Money last weekend. It's a huge issue, nearly 100 comments from readers online. Tell us, how do these scammers operate and how much have people lost? Well, they contact bank customers by phone, text or email. Last year, 236 million was spirited away by these fraudsters. 43,800 people lost money. And a lot of people think it wouldn't happen to me. But one way they do it is um, you're expecting a big bill. And a couple of days before your house transfer, they send you a new payment details. You're up your eyes in everything else. And you don't think twice about it. You should. But that's one of the ways. Others, people are phoned and the person on the other end has so much information about their account, their account number, their sort code, where they live, what standing orders they have, what direct debits. And they then feel they're not being asked for information, which we're all told not to give a fraudster or anybody calling them. But really... It is very, very dangerous. And I can reveal exclusively that quite a senior member of FT staff a couple of years ago was had by a push payment fraudster who called up. And he told me that the person who phoned, he said it sounded like they were in a call centre, but they were probably surrounded by other people committing exactly the same kind of fraud. And he was unfortunately duped out of several thousand pounds um, in, in that instance. And that's somebody who works for the FT. And now the fraudsters can on your caller ID, put the number of the bank so that you're looking at it and you may be checking while you're talking to them. On the back of your bank card, thinking it must be them. It must be them. It's actually been fished, I think is the the term, number phishing. So Mm. very worrying there. Now, you spoke to um, an FT reader who we featured in the article who sadly lost over £30,000. Briefly tell us her story. 
She was driving and she got a call saying it was from her bank. She said, I can't talk to you, I'm driving. Before she got home, she got a, a one-time number, authorization code she hadn't asked for. She got home pretty much as she got home. The same person called her again and said, look, there is no time. You paid an insurance bill this morning at about 11 o'clock. Uh, it was for this amount. You've got so much in your bank account, so it's in real danger. It's been compromised. It's by been compromised. Stuff. We need to move it to another account. You've got the um, authorization code. Can you use it now? Hurry, hurry, hurry. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hurry. There's no time to be lost. She got more money in than usual. She used the authorization code. As she did it, she thought, I've been conned. So she immediately called the bank on the Premier account number, but they said, uh, no, you're not a Premier account holder anymore. She'd never been told this, and she doesn't still doesn't know whether that was because money had been taken from her account, so she didn't qualify. She spent the next half hour using her own phone and her son's phone trying to ring her bank. During that time, money was being transferred into mm. a receiving bank about... Seven weeks later, she she came on to us. I advised her to just keep on the case. And um, seven weeks later, she got 12000 back because they had plundered her overdraft. Yes, and they are actually protected the funds in the overdraft in a way that the money in the account isn't. No, because that's really the bank's money. It's their lending to you. So she got that back. She kept on, kept on. And on the end of July, she got another... Six or seven thousand pounds back, which had been retrieved from the receiving bank. They only got one bit of the money back from the receiving bank. So it is possible for people to get some money back in these scams, but sadly, as you point out in the article, it is the exception to the rule. More often than not, the banks will say, You authorised this payment with a code, therefore it's your fault. We're denying responsibility. They deny responsibility. They say they are pursuing the money. And I'm sure some of them do, but I'm not sure the receiving bank is that helpful because they don't have a relationship with the bank customer. So it's not really a problem for them. Now, of course, in September, as your piece um, pointed out, there are new rules coming in, first of, 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 of several, which could change the situation um, significantly for consumers. So next, I want to introduce Harry Rose, who is the editor of Which Money, who joins us on the line. Welcome, Harry. Hi, Claire. So Which has been actively campaigning for more consumer protection in this area for several years. Tell us about what you've been doing. So, yeah, we launched um, what's called a super complaint back in September of 2016, mm. so almost two years ago now. And that was uh, was us asking the, um, the regulator, the payment systems regulator, to, to do a couple of things, um, to formally investigate the scale of, of this type of fraud and how much it costs people. And that's how we know now, for example, that 236 million was lost in 2017. We also know that only 26% of that was recovered. So, you know, we, we, we now have those numbers where previously this kind of fraud wasn't properly recorded. And we also asked them to propose new measures to deal with the issue, to give consumers greater protection. And so almost two years later now, um, these things do tend to be a little on the slow side, um, unfortunately, but we Glacial. do have some yes. progress now. <laughs> so um, what can so we, we look do forward know to happening? that there, there is a commitment now from the PSR to introduce some form of reimbursement scheme, which is being consulted on in September 
with a view to introducing a scheme afterwards. So the, the finer details of what that scheme will look like uh, are to be determined, but we're involved behind the scenes trying to, to influence the end result there. Um, and one further thing, we, we do have a confirmation that, that something that's known as confirmation of payee will be introduced in December this year. That's, that's basically about when, you, um, when you're making a bank transfer and you include the name of the person that you're transferring money to. At the moment, that's just entirely irrelevant to the transaction. It's kind of, you can put it in, but it doesn't have any bearing on, on whether that It might appear on your statement through. to help it, you with it your, doesn't, your it, records. It, it's not being, no, it's not being matched up to anything the other end. Basically. Exactly. So what confirmation of payee will do will will flag if the name that you've put in doesn't match the name of the of the destination account. Um, so that's coming in December. Again, it's, it's, it's progress but we need to see banks implementing that properly and, and speedily. You know, it's been a long time coming. So one thing that the payments regulator has done um, is that from September, it's got all of the banks to agree to providing 24-7 fraud lines staffed by trained individuals round the clock. I have to say, when I read that in Lindsay's piece, I was flabbergasted that the banks don't have to provide that for their customers already. It's amazing, isn't it? And actually... You can you can see there the contrast with how it works with credit cards. With credit cards, do have that joint liability, and it's you know it's 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 typical that they will offer a twenty four seven phone service to report credit card fraud. Um, whereas with bank transfer fraud, you know if you you realise you've been the victim um, on a Sunday morning, perhaps you know you you, you could be you know twenty four hours away from being able even to report that to your bank by which point that money is has moved on and you know halfway mm. around the world into uh, into another account exactly and sadly fraudsters are often very intelligent um, people and will, will know um, about this friday afternoon fraud is a is a phrase i've heard many times in this job so finally harry can you tell our listeners what should they do to protect themselves um, against falling victim to push payment fraud yeah i mean it, it, it you know it's, it's a very difficult one but i mean you know Fundamentally, it's about being extremely vigilant and using using common sense and and treating communications asking for money with with kind of utmost suspicion. Really, I mean, it, you know, it it will be worth double checking what's going on. You know, with with any email you receive giving bank details or any phone call connect, even if it seems you know entirely in line with what you're expecting. Perhaps you're exchanging on a house or you're um, you're, you're making a larger purchase and you're expecting to make a bank transfer, you know, these, these fraudsters will hack into your email account and will will identify, you know, that you're in the process of buying a house, will see the emails from your from, from the solicitor involved and will then will then, you know, mimic the correspondence and, and you know, creating perhaps a separate email account in order to in order to give you new bank details. You know, so all of that, which of course, you know, is happening at a time when you're very busy and uh, you've got a lot of admin to do, you know, just, just a phone call to the number that you know is the right number for the people that you're dealing with to double check that that correspondence is actually from them and not from, not from somebody else is, 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 is very sensible behaviour. And also just, just look out for text messages and, uh, as well. I mean, there's another angle to this, which is that fraudsters can, can fix it so that they appear in the thread of text messages that you already have from your bank, suggesting, for example, you need to click on a link to confirm your details because there's been a security breach. You know, that, that's, 
that should you know, immediately raise aren't a red necessarily flag. aware that that's even possible you mm. know and, and it might be easy to assume that you get a text message from from your bank you know well of course that's from your bank because how how would they how would they appear in the same message thread as your latest balance you know but they can do that so it's it's you know i don't, I don't want to suggest that people people are, are paranoid but they should be vigilant they should use common sense and just question those correspondents that are asking for sensitive personal details bank account details um, and, and asking for money well thanks for that harry um i should add that nat west has told the ft that its customers should never make a payment or divulge full security credentials at the request of somebody over the phone purporting to be from their bank stressing it would never ask a customer to move money from one account to another to keep it safe from fraud the bank adds if a customer receives such a request they should decline it and report it to their bank immediately on a phone number they can trust we would also recommend that they call back from their mobile phone and or wait 30 seconds before calling back from their landline if they do not have a different device and tsb who is the receiving bank um, in the instance of that fraud says it works extensively with other financial institutions industry bodies and law enforcement to stop fraudsters and recover stolen funds as quickly as possible it encourages customers to report suspected fraud as soon as they can and from september obviously you'll be able to do that via your bank's new 24 7 lines thank you very much there to Lindsay cook in the studio and harry rose on the line you can read ft money's cover feature on push payment fraud online now at ft.com slash money. Our next item, pensions freedoms have given millions of over 55s greater choice and flexibility with their retirement savings. But it has also opened the gateway for fraudsters who are intent on liberating people's life savings. This week, a new TV advert hits our screens designed to reveal the pension fraudsters number one tactic. I worked for just shy of 40 years, but my pension still wasn't going to be enough for us. So when he called out of the blue, offering a free pension review, I was all ears. He knew me by name, spoke professionally about investments. He, he even sent a courier over to sign the papers. He seemed a really decent guy. Just shy of 40 years, pension. He took all of it. Well, that was a clip from an advert which is now trailing on a television near you advertising the dangers of falling victim to a pension fraudster. Joining me now to discuss is Amy Williams, FT Money reporter. Welcome, Amy. Hello. So as we heard in the advert there, the classic opening gambit from a fraudster is the promise of a free pensions review. Indeed, uh, and it normally begins with a cold call, so an unexpected phone call from someone uh, which usually ends in them asking you to transfer money out of your pension pot. It would probably be best if people just stopped answering the, the phone altogether. It, yeah, it's true, it's true. But, you know, as we've heard from, from the push payment world, fraudsters seem to just come up with ever ever increasingly clever ways to, to trick people. And in that advert there, the uh, the, the noise that, um, you could hear in the background was a was a jet ski, um, which the the fraudsters were were playing on. And the, the caption that the FCA um, is using is "Don't let a fraudster enjoy your retirement." But a worrying number of people in the UK are sadly falling victim to these scams. Indeed, and the FCA, along with the pensions regulator, yesterday put out an, an amazing figure, which is that in 2017, the average amount lost by a person who'd fallen victim to one of these frauds 
Awards was £91,000, which is a huge amount of money. And 253 people lost around that much on average. So it was a total of £23 million over one year. So this is a really, really significant and you know life-ruining fraud when it occurs. Again, precious little hope of getting any money back. Yeah. Almost, almost none. So, I mean, the, the regulator, both regulators, um, have decided that the only way to help people is to stop them from falling victim in the first place. So, they've advised that you don't uh, do anything quickly, don't feel pressure to transfer money, uh, be on your guard if you're promised high returns for low risk schemes. So if it if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Mm-hmm. Um, and essentially, if someone calls you up about your pension, I mean basically don't listen most of the time seems to seems to be the advice you have to be very very wary very on your guard uh, with with these people well thanks very much there to amy williams you can read her full report online now at ft.com slash money or in the money section of the ft weekend newspaper this saturday and don't forget if you do want to speak to somebody genuine about your pension for free you should make use of the government's pension wise service for the over 50s details in the piece Finally, July and August are the peak season for rental fraud, according to data from Action Fraud, partly because it's the time of year when so many university students are looking for a place to rent. In my Serious Money column last week, I wrote about how my 22-year-old stepson Ben fended off an online scammer after he placed an advert online seeking a room to rent. Fortunately, he called his stepmum. But if you lack a close relative who works for the FT... What are the key things to look out for? Joining me to discuss is Matt Hutchinson, director of spareroom.co.uk, the online property listing site. Welcome to the podcast, Matt. Hi. So firstly, tell us what kind of scams young renters should particularly be aware of. Yeah, there are a couple of key scams that uh, we we see more than anything else, and they generally involve paying for something up front. Uh, And the first one is generally where somebody needs you to transfer some money to them usually before you've seen a room, before you've signed a tenancy agreement. And often the money is requested via a money transfer system like Western Union, for example. And these are designed only to use with people you know very well. You should never be paying anybody through something like Western Union. And often there are complicated, complex stories behind why you need to pay the money in advance. The landlord can't show you the property, you need a deposit for a viewing, you need to transfer some money before you can move in. Uh, And all of these things should be red flags. So if somebody is asking you to pay some money up front for something you haven't seen, that's the first thing to be wary of. Um, And the second one is a lot more complex than that. Often you will meet somebody purporting to be a landlord who has access to a property that they may have rented for a day or two from a short lets website. And they can show you around. They have the keys. They can show you the property. Everything seems to be perfectly legitimate. Uh, And it's only at the point that you've transferred some money that people realise actually they don't own the property, they have no right to rent it, and and actually it's it's not what it seems to be. So what safety tips can you offer people who are looking to rent a room either through your site or just in general? Yeah, so the first thing is to be very wary if you're asked to pay for something up front. If you haven't seen a property yet, you haven't seen a rental agreement, you haven't agreed to move in, there should be no reason for you to pay some money. You shouldn't pay for reviewing, you shouldn't pay to kind of reserve the right to have a look at somewhere. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is if the person you're talking to starts to get a little bit inconsistent in the way they speak to you and they're making excuses as to why they can't show you around or they're making excuses as to why you need to move quickly, that should also kind of wave a red flag in the air. 
But the, one of the clearest things is just don't use uh, anything like Western Union to transfer money to people you don't know, with no exceptions. Uh, they're designed to send money to friends and family, and that's it. Even if somebody asks you to transfer some money to a close friend and just send them a scan of the receipt, actually that scan of the receipt can be enough for them to go and take the money. So you should always avoid transferring money by those means at all costs. So in Ben's case, um, he was um, approached, a woman approached him and said that she wanted this viewing deposit in, in advance. Exactly like you said, she said, I've been let down by other people before, so I want to know that you're that you're definitely going to be there. And in fact, we looked up the address um, on the land registry, which you have to pay a small fee for, £3, online. And it turned out that the property she was purporting to own was actually in the name of somebody completely different. So we, we proved beyond all doubt that she was a scammer. She later sent an email um, to Ben, which hilariously said, I am a God-fearing woman, at which point he said, oh, OK, it's it's a scam. <laughs> I can I can tell that now. But um, you've got some other safety tips um, for people on your website, but you're going to make those more prominent. Yeah, and we've been running a flat share site now for 14 years. We've amassed a huge amount of kind of useful information and advice because there's so much of it sometimes the odd bit of it isn't necessarily where people need it to be when they need it so we're looking at a complete overhaul of how we treat this information so we can put specific bits in front of people at specific points in their journey when they most need it so that might be a safety email gets sent to somebody um, as soon as they sign up so they see that before they see anything else or when they click through to see your property details we can display alongside here are some tips you should be aware of because actually the safety advice is, is one of the really key things obviously getting young people to read it I can appreciate can be difficult but all users of your website have to be registered and as Ben's case showed you are rapidly able to shut down people if their bad behaviour is reported but there are other ways that you're also using artificial intelligence to spot the signs of fraud. And human intelligence as well we've got a kind of two-step process whereby everything that gets submitted to the site is run through a set of automated filters and that's kind of built on these 14 years of knowledge we've built up so we put all that into the system and it scans everything for suspicious language and a whole variety of other flags that may alert us to the fact something's not what it seems to be and then that can get quarantined but we also have a team of full-time moderators and their sole job is to go through ads on spare room and make sure they're okay so anything that's flagged and is quarantined we will check and it may not even make it onto the site in the first place but they also carry out a really wide range of spot checks from ads that have gone live just because you know the kind of the experience they have from doing this day in day out may alert them to something that it just is like almost a gut instinct sometimes they've been through so many ads they can just see if something doesn't feel quite right and if that looks like the case they'll take it down and contact the advertiser first just to check well fantastic thank you very much to matt hutchinson from spare room for joining us you can read my column about how to avoid rental fraud online now at ft.com slash money it's free to read so send it to your millennials and it contains the link to the most excellent video clip of the comedian joe lycett showing how he mercilessly dealt with a property scammer required viewing for anybody thinking of renting a flat. That's it from The Money Show this week. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can email the FT Money team, our address, money at ft.com, or follow us on Twitter at FT Money. We will be back next Thursday at the usual time. Goodbye. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas podcast. 
In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.